All right, so here we are in Genesis chapter 26, and what, uh, what we're going to do in this message, we're going to kind of go through the chapter and just kind of learn some of the facts about this chapter and what it's teaching, but then too, uh, at the end of it, I kind of want to like preach a sermon. There's a message uh, that we can get from this that we can kind of apply in our life, so uh, when you see me get to the end of the chapter, you know, fairly quick, don't think, all right, he's almost done, all right, okay, and then, then I'm... We're going to go through the chapter, and then I'm going to preach to you a little bit. So, in verse 1, it says, And there was a famine in the land, beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac, went unto Abimelech, king of Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father." And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because that Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So first thing I want to point out is how in this story we see Isaac, during a famine, uh, have to leave. And this is something we see throughout the book of Genesis with the patriarchs, is they were always kind of moving all over the place because... They dwelled in tents, didn't they? They didn't have, you know, they weren't well established during any of their lifetimes. And so famines would come and they'd have to move somewhere else. And that's why we see Abraham moving around quite a bit. And now we see the same thing happening with Isaac. And he ends up going and he's staying in uh, around Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And remember where we saw him before? Abraham did the same thing. Abraham dwelled with them. And when he got there... They saw his wife. They saw Abraham's wife. The guys got excited. And then they ended up taking her. And you all know that story. Well, Abraham lied in that story, said, she's my sister. Isaac did the same thing. Isaac did the exact same thing. And I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I got to wonder, didn't Abraham ever tell Isaac about that story? I mean, I now understand when we saw Abraham doing that, we see that that was his custom. It was something that they did probably many times. It's just in the case of, of Abimelech and then with uh, when they were in Egypt with Pharaoh, it kind of came back to haunt them. So this was kind of a practice that they had. But you would think at some point, you know, Abraham would have said, you know, there was this time where we stayed with Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And, you know, he, he got really mad at us because I almost got him in trouble because I lied. I said, your mom was my sister. And, you know, they, they almost, you know, committed adultery with her and got in a lot of trouble. But, I don't know, maybe Isaac didn't know about this. But who knows? He might have. Because isn't it pretty common for children to make the same mistakes their parents did? Isn't it very common for a drunk to raise a drunk? For a wife beater to raise a wife beater? You think a kid who grew up in that would say, forget that. But they often end up doing the same thing. So I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why he did that. But uh, I like, though, what he says, God says after this, when he tells him to go into this land, he's telling him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give this land to your seed. And we talked about this on Sunday, but I'm going to repeat it again since we're in Genesis 26. All these things that God promised to Isaac, Isaac hadn't done anything yet to get these promises, but God said, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. All these blessings were on Isaac because of Abraham, and not just who he was, but because of what he did, because of his obedience to God. Understand, Abraham is the father of those who are faith, not just because he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, but because he had so much faith, he was willing to sacrifice his own son. And because of that, he's known as the father of faith, and he was known as the friend of God. But you know, it was a good thing here because Abraham set Isaac up for success. Again, we talked about this Sunday. You know, it, you know what people think about your children will often be, depend on what they think about you. And if they hated you, they'll probably hate your children. And that's why you ought to be good to people. That's why you ought to treat people right. If you do that, it'll probably end up blessing your children one of these days. So you ought to keep those things in mind and understand not, you know, the things you do, it don't, they don't affect just you. They affect the next generations too. And, that, and that's what we see in Exodus 20. In the Ten Commandments, when God said not to make any graven images, 
He said, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And I just want to say this, and I'll, I'll say this again later on in the message, but just because you are saved, okay, that does not automatically give you this, a special blessing of God. It gives you heaven. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. You're not going to go to hell. But don't go acting like you're a disciple of Christ if you're not obeying Him. And understand that being Abraham's seed too, said it's... And we, I preached on this before, uh, the message on it being a twofold child of Abraham. If you're saved, you're a child of Abraham. But also, you can be a child of Abraham by being obedient. And a lot of times, saved people claim promises that are not theirs to claim. Because you don't obey God. Because notice here too, in Exodus 20 verse 5, when he's saying, you know, I'm going to visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third or fourth generation of them that hate me. Okay, well, what does it mean to love God? Well, the Bible teaches in the New Testament, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here in this passage, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So just because you're saved doesn't mean God's going to bless the next generations. It just because that, It's going to help if you're saved, but if you're not obeying God, if you're not keeping His commandments, you're not helping your next the next generation out. You need to do more than just get your kids saved. You need to show them how to live. You need to be obedient to God. You need to be close to God. And you that way, too, if you have a special relationship with God, you know what? God's going to look on your kids in a special way, too. It's what he did with Abraham because of his obedience. Set your kids up for success and obey God. So, verse 6. Um, <clears throat> and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked him of his wife, and he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say she is my wife, lest that he, the men of the place, should kill me for Rebecca, because she was fair to look upon. You know, what's interesting about this, it's interesting different cultures and you know priorities, okay? Because in other cultures, you know, even completely non Christian ones, there's usually some form of law and right and wrong. You know, in most cultures, everybody knows it's wrong to steal, right? They usually know it's wrong to kill. They usually know it's wrong to commit adultery, right? But it seems like with these cultures here, they thought adultery was bad, but murder wasn't. Because they're like, you know, they're, they're think, you know, their attitude is, you know, if this guy's married to another woman, we've got to kill him if we're gonna if we're gonna get her. Well, why do you have to do the murder part too? Now, obviously, they did. They feared committing adultery. More than murder. Both are really bad. But this is what happens when you kind of have a twisted, backward society. Okay? We've got a messed up society today, too. I mean, look at how the values of people are all backwards. You know, the same people that will stand up and fight for somebody on death row will also fight for a woman's right to kill her baby. So this isn't really that, it shouldn't be that strange to us. Lost people always have twisted morals and priorities. But it doesn't mean some of those things aren't good. If a twisted society thinks stealing is bad, guess what? Stealing is still bad. Okay? If a twisted politician that believes in bad stuff and passes a lot of bad laws, if they pass a good law, it doesn't mean all of a sudden that good law is bad. Okay? Sometimes they get some things right. A stop clock is right twice a day, right? And so here, this society... You know they're because notice too they're asking about Rebecca. Okay, now what? Now usually, when somebody is asking about a woman, it's usually because they're interested, right? You know, usually you don't worry about the marital status of a female unless you're you know you're thinking, hey, this could be a prospect, right? That's what all you know single guys do. And guy, hey, single guys, you know, don't be afraid of asking about women. All right, don't be afraid to look for prospects. And, you know, you see a pretty girl out there or something, be like, hey, you know, I don't see any ring, you know, uh, you know, that's fine, all right? Nothing wrong with looking, okay? Nothing wrong, you know, you're, you're trying to find somebody just as long as you do things right, okay? And that's another message for another day. 
But, you know, these people, they're inquiring after Rebecca, and he knows why. And my daughters, before long, they're going to get to be at that age where people are going to be asking me about them. I'm not really looking forward to that. Okay. Right, you know, and uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I've had people ask, you know, how old my daughter is before. It's just like, way too young. You know, <laughs> still a kid, so young, I'm not even going to tell you her age, you know, but uh, that's, that's normal. And so uh, these people there, though, he's thinking they're going to kill me to get Rebecca. Why? Because she was fair to look upon. How backwards are these people? They're interested in her just because she's fair to look upon. That usually gets more inquiries. I'm not saying it's right. You should go for personality too. But the looks is usually what gets going. I'm just showing how man hasn't really changed, have they? And it's uh, just kind of an interesting thing there. But notice, though, we see how you would think, again, Isaac wouldn't make the same mistake because this was bad what Abraham did to Abimelech. But notice how God miraculously protected Abraham and Sarah in both situations. And understand, too, Isaac has just been given the same blessing that God gave to Abraham I don't think Isaac at this point in his life realized the power that he had with God. I don't think Isaac at this point in his life realized the special favor that he had with God and because of the fact, too, that he felt like he needed to lie to protect himself. And notice, too, he's more worried about protecting himself than his wife. I think that's pretty bad, too. But again, women back then were pretty much property. I'm sorry. That was the culture back then. They were pretty much property. That wasn't right, it wasn't good, but it is the way it was. So, verse 8 says, And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of the window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. Okay, so, you know, Abimelech sees, in this term sporting, uh, you know, some of the definitions, it means like mocking or just playing with. And basically what I think we're seeing here is the way Isaac and Rebecca were acting with each other, it was clear they weren't brother and sister. You know, and Abimelech sees that and he's like, hey, you lied. She's your sister. And you know what? You ought to behave different with your wife than you do your sister. And that's, exact, that, that's normal even to a backward society like the Philistines. So just understand, there's some things that are just natural. And there's some things that are unnatural. That's why we call them queers, because okay? it's strange, it's weird to any normal, to any barbaric, backward society. It's weird and it's normal. You have to be turned over to a reprobate mind. And so the same thing that Isaac's doing again, it's what Abraham did. But yet, I do believe this shows how wicked the people were in this land, because of the fact too that they would do something like this. This was a reputation that the people of this land had. But you know. I don't think these people, these Philistines at this time, were so much of an exception, but they could have been. Because we see that Abimelech here is, he's like, man, you could have got us in trouble again. Now, here's what I'm not sure of. Okay, this is what I'm not sure of. Because look what it says in verse 9. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she is thy wife. And how saidst thou, she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this that thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lied with thy wife, and thou shouldst have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all the people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Now here's what I'm not sure about. Were these people just, did they learn from that situation with Abraham and Sarah, thou shalt not commit adultery before the Ten Commandments? Or, you know, is this how they were with everybody? Or was this just how they were with Isaac because they understood who this guy was? Because that's what the Bible doesn't tell us. Did Abimelech know that this is Abraham's son? The Bible doesn't tell us that. But when we see the great fear that Abimelech had in this situation, I don't personally think that this was because they were just scared of adultery in that land. I, I highly doubt that. I think they understood this is the son of that man that we almost got in big trouble with. 
Because remember, the people of the land all understood that Abraham had the blessing of God on him. The people of the land feared Abraham greatly. We've been showing that throughout the book of Genesis. And I think it's very possible Abimelech understood who this guy was. And he's like, I'm not messing with this guy. And so this death penalty that he put out for adultery, I don't believe this was for anybody who commits adultery with anyone. I think it was for them specifically because he's saying, we don't mess with these people. You say, well, the Bible doesn't tell us that exactly. Yeah, but when we see the context of everything here, when the Bible for chapters has been showing us just how blessed of God Abraham and Isaac was and how the people of the land feared Abraham and Isaac, I do think it's a very safe assumption. And I'm just assuming that because it does kind of go along with everything else that we're about to see in this chapter. Because he's really, I mean, if, if one of our men would have lied, lied with your wife, you'd have brought guiltiness on us. We would have been in trouble as a people. Does anybody think people like this, these Philistines, didn't have any adultery going on during that time? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. But it's, it's possible. Maybe these people just, really, I mean, after the scare with Abraham and Sarah, they're like, you all can murder people. You all can steal and do all kinds of other things. But no adultery. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. But either, either way, I do think this shows you know, God's blessing on Isaac. And they, did, they, they feared him. So verse 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. So God's blessing him materially here. He's, his crops are doing great. And the man waxed great. And went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possession of flocks and possession of herds, and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. So he's in the same land as the Philistines, but yet he's being blessed a hundredfold. Everything he has is just increasing like crazy. And the Philistines are like, they're jealous of him. They're envying him. But what was going on here? God is blessing him. He had God's blessing on his life, there was nothing so special about what Isaac was doing or how Isaac did things. God was just blessing him because he was the son of Abraham. He was the seed of promise. He was he was somebody special. Uh, that he was that seed that God had promised to Abraham. So, um, in verse fifteen it says, "For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them." And filled them with earth. So Abraham had been there before and done things, but the Philistines stopped those things up, trying to just hold up what's being accomplished. Because this was the thing, too. It's like, you know, why do they have a problem that Isaac is growing and becoming rich and powerful? Well, they're scared because if he becomes too powerful, he can overthrow them. Because that's what they would do. You know, that's exactly what they would do if they were strong. Do you know how many countries are out there that would take over our country in a heartbeat if they could? Do you know how many countries are out there that we would take over in a heartbeat? And we have. <laughs> because we can. You know, it's just the way it is, folks. It's human nature. Okay, winds comes, wars and fightings. They come of our own lust. We're all made of the same flesh. And just understand, when our presidents and our leaders are wanting to invade other countries... It's not for our protection. Just please get that out of your head. It's not for our protection. They tell us that. They, they give us a good scare. They'll fly some planes into some you know skyscrapers if that's what it takes to freak us out. But at the end of the day, they just want to take over. That's what wicked people do. Now, Isaac wasn't like that. Okay? But they see this power that he's getting, and they're like, he's going to do exactly to us what we would do to him if we were able. So they're scared, so they're trying to stop things. And so, um, verse 16, And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. He didn't like living next to this threat. And, and he knew better, I believe, than to fight him, because you know, it, so he's, he doesn't want to fight Isaac. One, he would probably, you know, I think he knew he would lose. But two, you know, so I, I think he just, he just wanted to get him to leave. Because Isaac never did anything to him. You know, Isaac never did anything to hurt him, but yet they just, it was constant fear that they had. That was something that they were always fearing with the Jews. Even when in Exodus, uh, when they were in Egypt, 
The reason they started killing all the male children is like these people are multiplying too fast. They're going to end up taking over. And that's why they started trying to kill them. So in Genesis 26, 17, it says, And Isaac departed thence and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with them. And they digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna. And he removed from thence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. For he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. So understand Isaac here. Isaac is a very peaceful man. Because first off, when Abimelech tells him to leave, he leaves. Rather than have a conflict, rather than have a fight, even though this is bad for him, Isaac chose to leave. But then, everywhere he's going, he's digging these wells, he's accomplishing all these things, and then the Philistines are coming in and trying to use these things and trying to fight over them. And he just wants to get to a place, some place where he can go and they can grow as a people and they can live happily and just be at peace. And finally, he gets to this place, Rehoboth, and there, there's no fighting for the water. There's no fighting, and he's like, God's made us to be fruitful uh, in this land. He's made room for us. And it, I believe this was a special well to him because of the fact he didn't have any conflict. And you know what? Sometimes you just get tired of fighting and you just want some peace. Right? Listen, sometimes I feel like fighting. Sometimes I was like, you know what? I just kind of like a break from fighting. You know, I just like it. Sometimes... You know, you, do, you you kind of get in these modes where you're just ready to attack somebody and just ready. For, but then sometimes you do, you're just like, you know what? It'd be nice if people just leave us alone for a while. You know, let's go to 2020 and just have a year of peace. You know, and then 2020 comes. <laughs> it's yeah, not really a peaceful year, but that's just the way it is. But you know what? When it comes, thank God for it. You know, when we have the quiet times and the peaceful times, be thankful for that. Nobody likes turmoil. And sometimes you just need a break. From that, And God kind of gave Isaac one here. And it says, And he went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Now, I could preach a message just on this right here. But again, we saw in the beginning of this chapter how God was blessing Isaac because of Abraham. And here again, God's reminding Isaac, I'm going to bless you. For Abraham's sake. And I, and I think this is worth noting. In Romans chapter 11. In verse 26. Where we have the famous. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. That shall, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them. When I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel. They are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election. They are beloved for the father's sake. And the father's is plural there that is a direct reference to abraham isaac and jacob and what paul's saying here in romans 11 is when it comes to the jews when it comes to israel and the flesh when it comes to the gospel they are your enemies the jews were the enemies and the jews still are enemies of the gospel but as touching the election okay and is touching those who are saved like the apostle paul who was of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, who's telling, showing these people, hey, God hath not cast away his people. God saved me. He's saying, as concerning the election, as far as the saved Jews, they are beloved for the Father's sake. In other words, God loves them. God has blessed them because of their, for their Father's sake, because of the promise that he made to their fathers. So understand, there always has been and there always will be a remnant of saved Jews. And, and all Jews, all Israel shall be saved if they abide not still in unbelief. And in fact, all the world will be saved if they abide not still in unbelief. Because for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know, a lot of people try to make that, you know, this only about physical Jews. But it's not about physical Jews. It's about Abraham's seed. 
which is those who are of faith. And so, if a Gentile has faith, they are Abraham's seed. If a Jew has faith, they are also Abraham's seed. And if a Jew does not have faith, then they are not Abraham's seed like Isaac was. And we see that in John chapter 8 and verse 37. We're not going to take time to turn over there. But remember how Jesus said, I know that you're Abraham's seed. But then he turns around and tells them, you're not Abraham's seed. Because if you were of Abraham, you'd do the works of Abraham. So, but, yo, you're seeking to kill me. I told the truth. You're wanting to kill me. So this did not Abraham. Yeah, yeah, you physically might come from him, but your works are nothing like Abraham. You have no faith like Abraham did. But those who, even if you're a Gentile, if you're of faith, then you are of Abraham's seed. And so understand, we are blessed today because of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promised that he would bless their seed. And so if you are of faith today, you are Abraham's seed, and therefore you're blessed also because of them. It's just something to, something to think about because the Messiah did come through their seed, didn't he? Through their line. Jesus Christ came through them. So we can preach a whole message and use a lot of other scriptures on that. But I just think it's interesting how he used that phrase there he, he, when he said, for my servant Abraham's sake. And that's an important concept we need to understand too. And that's why too, we want to try to pass some things on for our kids. I want my kids to be blessed of God, and I believe that he'll do that for my sake if I'm obedient. And so, um, verse 25, And he built an altar there, and called upon the name of the Lord, and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants digged a well. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me? And have sent me away from you. And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee. And let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee. And as we have done unto thee nothing but good, and have sent thee away in peace, thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And he made a feast, and they did eat and drink. And they rose up be times in the morning, and swear one to another. And Isaac sent them away. And they departed from him in peace. So what what I believe has happened here, you know, it was wrong the way they sent Isaac away from them. They Isaac didn't do a thing to them, but just because they were scared of him because of how blessed he was, they sent him away. And then, you know, he and he had went to all these other places where he had a lot of strife and everything, but now here he is, he's being blessed again. And word has obviously gotten to them that Isaac is still doing good. He's still multiplying. Everything's growing. God's blessing him. And you know, they knew we did this guy wrong. We did this guy wrong. We treated him bad. And chances are he might be over there stewing about it right now, getting angry, growing in strength, growing in numbers. And if you know what? We probably should go make up with him. And make a covenant with him. Otherwise, he's going to come back and destroy us. Because again, they knew they did him wrong. And listen, you don't want to mess with God's people. There's, and I, I believe there's lost people that, you know, even have a, they just have a fear of God in them. And no better than to mess with God's people. I mean, we've had people, I remember one of the houses that we moved from when we were at our last church. The landlord's kind of ripped us off when it came to our deposit. And we were pretty upset about it, you know, and, you know, told them off in a nice way. But we pretty much just let it go, you know. And that's always been my attitude. I, I, I try to keep that my attitude. When people do me wrong, just let God deal with them. And let me tell you something. When I do that, God always deals with them. Man, listen, if you ever do me wrong, you better pray I come after you. I, you, if you better pray I come after you because when I come after you, when I go for vengeance, I'm usually in the flesh and God's going to be working against me. And while I might hurt you, it's not going to be near as bad as what God is going to do if I let him have it, let him deal with it. So you all better pray that I don't ever come after you if you do me wrong. Because, or you better pray I do come after you. Sorry, I got that wrong. You better pray I come after you because... That is the easiest thing that can happen to you. But I remember, it was months later, we were at the new house, and one day they just like showed up, 
at our house and gave us a check for the rest of the money that they didn't give us. And they were like, we just felt bad about it and just want to give it to you. And like, all right, you know, we were thrilled. You know? And, I mean, we'd forgotten about it. But you know what? God didn't forget about it. God hadn't forgotten about it, and he didn't let them forget about it. And you know what? I hope and pray, and I believe he probably blessed them after they did that, and they made it right. And understand, man, you, you do not want to mess with God's people. You'll get, you'll get in trouble with that. And I think these people knew, man, we did these people wrong. And, it got, and, and you say, was, you know, was it the Holy Spirit convicted them? I think it was just self-preservation. They're like, we did them wrong. He's going to get angry because you know what? If he would have done to me what we did to him, if I went and I grew in number and I became strong enough, I would come and I'd get vengeance. And that's what they thought he was going to do with them. And so they went and made a covenant. And it was a good thing. So this was a covenant between Isaac and the Philistines. And you know what? The Philistines would have done well to have stuck with that covenant, wouldn't they? But we see the Philistines and Israel fighting all the time. And in the end, the Philistines always lost, didn't they? Philistines always lost at the end when going up against Israel. And so, and that's exactly what happened there. So they, these people did not want Isaac as an enemy, and that was very wise. So in verse 32, and it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well that they had digged and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. So God's just continuing to bless Isaac. And then in verse 34, it says, And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Bashemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mine unto Isaac and to Rebekah. And we'll say more about that in future week. But here, what basically what we're seeing is we're just seeing, you know, what's going to happen with Esau. So Esau, he ends up getting married before Jacob does, but he marries these Hittite women. And Rebekah couldn't stand these women. They were a grief of mine to them. Why? Because these were miserable women. These were terrible women. These were bad people that he intermarried with. And that's why Jacob, when Sarah sends him, or Rebekah sends him away, she sends him uh, to the, you know, their family to go get better women for him. And you know what? Every parent wants good spouses for their kids. Every good parent wants that. And so we'll say more about that later. But basically, to sum up this chapter here, you know, is or the, the detail that's mentioned here at the end is this explaining why Jacob left, uh, you know, where they were living at that time to go find a wife. Because in, we're going to see in the next chapter that Jacob's going to leave to go find that wife. Because the women that were in that area were not good. And so it kind of plays into the end of the next chapter. And he ended up living there about 20 years, which is a big part of Israel's history. Because, again, we're looking at Israel's history and showing how during the times of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're kind of sojourning in that land and wandering around. And then eventually they go into Egypt. And then God brings them out of Egypt and puts them in the land right before the time they get these books that they're reading. So it helps us understand... Why is talking about this stuff if we understand who this book was written to and when it was written? It kind of helps with that. But either way, with that, uh, what I want to get, what I want to do right now, though, is just briefly, just kind of make it a life application with this. Because as I said before, you do not want to mess with God's people. Now, a lot of Christians today, a lot of Zionist Christians today, will use passages like this to say, "Don't mess with the Jews." Every time we you know, get involved in a dispute with Israel and the Palestinians, and we encourage Israel to give up their land, we always get hit with a hurricane or some kind of natural uh, natural disaster. Okay? Now, that's a lot of foolishness. It's extremely bogus. I have some books on that. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's completely unbiblical. But I do agree we should not mess with God's people. And you all know who God's people are. So I'm not, I'm not going to rehash that. You all know that. But understand... It's sometimes Christians, they'll look back at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we see that one of the ways that God blessed them, one of the main ways we see that God blessed them, was with great riches. God richly blessed 
Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph. I mean, these guys were super prosperous. Now, what about Christians today? We all claim to be God's people, but hey, where's all our money, right? You know, where is all of it? It does seem like the Jews are the ones that still have all the money and are multiplying. So do they still have the blessing of God on them? What's going on here? All right, well, I think it's important that we understand this because right now, here's what we need to understand. God's people are revealed by their works. And I'm saying this to the world. Okay, I get it. As Christians, we look at people's profession, right? That's how we judge who's saved or not. But to the world, okay, the way uh, we're going to point the world to God is through our works. We've got to have good works. That's how we stand out. If we do not have good works, we will be a sorry testimony. We will be a poor representation of God. We will not be effective in our soul winning. And it says in Matthew 5.43, You have heard that it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. All right, you know what we're seeing right here for a Ruckmanite? We're seeing another gospel right here. The way you become children of God, the way you get saved, is you got to love your enemies. you got to bless them that curse you. Is that what Jesus is saying right here? Because he did say that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. But look at the next statement. He says, For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. You know what Jesus is saying right here? The way... People know you are the children of God is by your works because rain comes on the just and on the unjust. Good things happen to good people and bad people. Bad things happen to good people and bad people. We do not judge who is blessed of God based on materials and things like that. We don't figure out who the good people are. Folks, if we're supposed to figure out if, if prosperity proves who's in the right, we should all be listening to Kenneth Copeland right now because he's got us all beat. And folks, I don't know how anybody listens to that man. I don't, I will never understand how anyone would listen to that man. You would think that COVID-19 prayer that he did would end his career, but you know what? He'll still make the millions and millions of dollars. I don't understand that, folks. I, I don't get that at all. But if prosperity proves who the blessing of God is on, we should all follow Kenneth Copeland. But you all know that that's not what we're supposed to do. See, understand, there are some things that are different now. Jesus said in John thirteen thirty four, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples." If ye have love one to another. See, you don't get a special blessing just because you're saved. We got a lot of people out there. I believe in Christ. Where's my blessings? I believe in Christ. I'm the chosen people. You know, I'm saved. You know, and they, they want to claim all these blessings. Okay? Wrong. You don't get all the blessings, the, especially the physical ones, just for being saved. And so while Israel did have a special blessing on them as a people, we see they weren't always blessed especially when they were in sin. Because understand, remember what he's saying with Isaac, because Abraham obeyed. Not just because he believed. No, because he obeyed. Because of his obedience. We see also that those who are righteous in the Bible did not always live on easy street. Same as been for the last 2,000 years. In Hebrews 11, in verse 32, when it's going through the hall of faith, it talks about, the, peop the people that the world was not worthy of, that were sawn asunder, that were, I mean, that were persecuted, that were put in prison, that went through one difficult thing after another. The Bible said the world was not worthy of them. Those people didn't have great blessings on them, did they? You know, was Jeremiah being blessed when he was down in that prison sinking in the mire? You know, that, I wouldn't call that a blessing right there. I mean, you and I wouldn't, but we know that he was right with God. And so the thing is, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, here's what you got to understand, were especially blessed of God because of God's covenant with them and because of their obedience, but we're not all guaranteed that kind of a blessing today. Because understand, we're, here's why we're not physically blessed. 
like the patriarchs. Because we don't need the physical blessings like they had because we have not been called to establish a physical kingdom. Do you understand that? We're not trying to take over the world, are we? We're not trying to take over the country. You're not going to see me going out there running for governor or running for president, trying to take over a country. We don't do that. We're not trying to establish a physical kingdom. Now, if we were trying to establish a physical kingdom, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to conquer some land. And, well, actually, the first thing we need to do is we need to multiply, don't we? We, need to get, we have to have people to conquer that land, to subdue that land. We've got to have people that have the armies and things that we do. So God was blessing them greatly because he was using them to establish a physical nation. So we see massive financial blessing. We see them multiplying greatly because they were trying to establish a physical kingdom, but we're trying to establish a spiritual kingdom, aren't we? That's what we're trying to do. And so in reality, we are blessed like them, but with spiritual blessings because we are part of a spiritual kingdom. You know what? What good is it going to do if God blesses us with all these physical blessings if it takes us away from the spiritual things that are actually eternal? Because look, look what it says in Ephesians 1.3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So folks, listen, I, yeah, I'm not rich, but I am blessed like Abraham. Why? Because I have all the spiritual blessings. See, because here's, here's one of the main blessings. Here's one of the things that Isaac was looking for. While Isaac was rich, you know what one of the main things we see Isaac was looking for in this chapter? He wanted some peace. He wanted some rest. Well, look what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you know, as Christians, we can have peace even in a time of war. We have that peace that they were looking for. They were looking for a peace that was inward too, but they had to have the outward in order to have that. We don't need that. We can have peace even living in Illinois under J.B. Pritzker. We can still have peace. That's something that we're able to do. It says in John 14, 27, Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. That's the kind of peace that Isaac was looking for and that he found for a little while there in Genesis 26. Okay? That peace that the world can give. Folks, we have something better. We have spiritual peace. It says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me, Ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So folks, just mark it down. We have the same blessings. It's just they are spiritual. So, you know, when you're reading about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you're just seeing how God is multiplying things and how God is blessing them with all these wonderful financial things, if you're not careful, you can get to look and think, man, what am I doing wrong? My stuff's not being multiplied like that, but you know what? If you're winning souls, you understand you're multiplying. You understand those souls you're winning. There's a crown of rejoicing that fadeth not away. There's eternal rewards that come from that. You realize everything that we accomplish as a church, when it comes to getting people saved and the spiritual things we do, they have eternal rewards that we are all a part of. We are right now accumulating spiritual wealth and we're and material wealth, but it's for the world that's to come. We're accumulating all these things right now, and we're blessed with the blessing that we have. We understand right now that we have these things through faith. Physically, they're not there. Physically, we, we can't see those things. We can't feel them and touch them right now, but yet we know we have them. Every time you go out there and you get somebody saved, you have a blessing that lasts longer than any blessings that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob received on this earth. Because even that land, is it still belong to them today? No. That's all gone. Everything they had, it's gone. The things that we are gaining are going to last forever for all eternity. So I think, I think in many ways what we have is better. 
than what they have. Now, if you're carnal, they had it better. But if you're spiritual, we've got it better. I would rather live in this day. We're living in a better day for that, and God still blesses His people today. And you got to understand, remember, His people. It's not, not just talking about the saved. It's talking about those who are being obedient to them. God blesses these people. God takes care of these people. You do not want to be an enemy of God's people. And you know, one of the things that I try to be careful with, I should probably preach a sermon on this sometimes. And I've talked about this before. But there are a lot of people out there. There's a lot of Baptists out there. There's a lot of Christians that are out there that aren't necessarily what we are. But I believe these are saved people. I believe that they love the Lord and they're doing the best they can. And there's areas where they're wrong. And you know what? Sometimes, there, there's been multiple times I've just been tempted. I've like seen a video or watched a sermon of somebody, maybe when it comes to something like end times, and they're just dead wrong. And I'm like, you know what? I need to make a video exposing this person. And it's like the Holy Spirit has told me, don't do it. That has happened many times with me where it's like, you know what? I'm going to call this person out. They are wrong. And you know what? I'm right. They're wrong. But it's like the Lord says, leave them alone. Because did you know you can be wrong on end times and still love the Lord and still be saved? And still be a disciple of Christ and one of his people. Hey, I was there at one time. And you know what? We don't want to mess with these people. There's a lot of preachers out there that are saved. They don't do things like we do. Maybe they've got some practices in their church that we don't have, that we don't approve of. And you know what? We're right and they're wrong, but they still love the Lord. They're still saved. They're still God's people. You know what? We're going to leave them alone. We're not, we're not messing with those people. And one of the things that I feel like I have, I, I, I feel like, okay, if I can maybe just talk about myself for a minute here, I feel like I have the ability to discern between the good guys and the bad guys. I, I, I should, let me say it this way. I believe I have a very high percentage of getting that right. But it's not 100%. And you know what? I don't want to go after that one guy and get that 1% chance that it's wrong and mess with one of God's people. Because that's going to come back on me. Listen, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We have a book full of stories of people messing with God's people, and it always came back on them. And you know what? The God's people that would get messed with weren't perfect. They weren't perfect. They had a lot of problems. But when you touch them... You got in trouble every time. We see that throughout Israel's history. And I believe today, again, we don't have so much the physical blessings they did, but we have all the spiritual blessings. And when we mess with God's people, God's going to mess with us. So you, that's why you better watch it. You better be careful. If we're going to go after somebody, we better be 100% sure they're a full-blown heretic. And if we're just only 99% sure, you know what? Let's just let God reveal it. Let's just let, you know what, let's just let God expose them to the world because we just don't know for sure right now. And I don't want to take a chance of that because it's, it's always bad. And so God still blesses his people today. The blessings, though, they're just more spiritual than they are physical. But the truth is spiritual is better. Spiritual is better. And I, I want to be one of God's people. And so... I'm saved. I got the first part down, but now I got to obey him. I've got to be obedient to him and be doing what he wants me to do. And then I believe if I do that, I'll set my next generation up for success. You know, I'm very thankful for the home I grew up in. My dad, one of his top priorities as a pastor was to be a good father. That was one of his top priorities. My dad, you know, he, he looked at a lot of the big names and the big shots with the big churches but one thing he was always noticing about these guys, they already had, they always had sorry kids, and he's like, I don't want that for me. He's like, I want to raise a good family. He's like, he, he always said that, you know, my family is my ministry. If I'm not ruling my house well, he's like, I kind of disqualify myself. And so that was always one of his main focus. He was always thinking about the next generation. You ask anybody in my dad's church, they've heard him say a thousand times this illustration. 
His goal is someday when he's in heaven and Tommy McMurtry the 14th is born, that you know he wants him to be saved. And he wants to keep meeting grandkids and great-grandkids. He wanted, he wanted all of the future generations all being saved. And all of his, you know, you know, all of his children have made professions, and all of his grandchildren so far that are old enough to make professions have too. That was like one of his main prayers, one of his main things that he shot for. And you know what? I can't help but think many times that a lot of the blessings that I've received in my life aren't because of me, but they're because of my dad. I believe he set me up for success there. And so I don't want to mess that up for my next generations too. I got set up so good. I want to, I want to do that same setup for my kids, but make it better. I want my kids to say, I want God, when he looks at my kids, say, you know what? Because your dad and your granddad, and you know what? Even their great grandparents, some of them from my side, I mean, they did serve the Lord. I mean, you know, obedient God, disciples of Christ. I think God looks at that kind of thing, and I'm thankful for that. And y'all need to be trying to get that going for you. We talked about that some Sunday. If if the generation before you wasn't that great, you know, hey, at least you can start now. Look at how much just Isaac was blessed because of just one generation before him. You all can help do that with your children. And that needs to be the focus of everyone here because we got a lot of kids here that are very precious and very special. And there's no reason for them to not be set up for great success. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for all your blessings. I thank you for uh, just the, the examples we have in your word, Lord, and for the great heritage that you've given me, Lord. And I just pray you'll help every parent in here, Lord, to set their kids up for success, Lord, that we will be obedient to you and uh, that we can, um, Lord, just be an example uh, to this world and we can just uh, reveal who we are as Christians by doing good works and by loving one another. And I just pray you'll help us have great success in that area. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.